Well, that's a blessing, ain't it? Praise the Lord. Got something to look forward to. All right. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? Now, I want you to really follow me this morning because I'm way back in the Old Testament. We're in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 33, way back in the Old Testament. Now, I have an old Schofield Bible, and if you have one, that's page number 523, or the book of 2 Chronicles, which, strangely enough, comes right after... First Chronicles, all right? So if you can find that, and then, of course, uh, chapter 33, I'll begin reading here in the chapter in just a moment. Second Chronicles, chapter 33. Don't forget our service this evening again at 5.30. You don't want to miss this. You want to be here for that. And so I hope you'll pray much and then show up tonight in the house of God. All right, Second Chronicles, chapter 33. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. Without doubt, without doubt, one of the hardest messages for me to come up with year in and year out is a message for Mother's Day. The reason being is I've never been a mother, and I have absolutely 0% chance of ever becoming one. Now, I do know men because, as the old saying goes, I are one. And that way, on Father's Day, I can just rear back and preach a paint off the walls because, you know, being a man, I know how sorry I am and I know the sorry tendencies of a lot of men. So I can really identify with where the men are on Father's Day. However, on Mother's Day, that's a horse of a different color. I have never, ever been a woman. But what I do know is this, that women are and always have been very important to the success of the Lord's work. In fact, let me say this. If you pull the influence of the women out of the church today, let me tell you something, we're going to be in some real trouble. We really are. I was reading this week, I was reading this week about Calvary and those who were there on the day that our Lord was crucified. Did you know that I found out this week, and just reading, and I'd never even thought about this before, but just reading this week about the crucifixion day, when it come to the followers of the Lord Jesus who were actually there at Calvary, the men were outnumbered three to one on that day. You know why the men weren't there? Because they were scared to death, and they'd run off, left the Lord. But the ladies were still there. So I said that to say this. I thank God for all the women and the mothers and the ladies of our, of our church. I wish you a very happy and blessed Mother's Day. But as I preach this message this morning on Mother's Day, I've got to make a confession to you. Because when I announced my title, I'm not going to announce it yet, but when I announced my title to the sermon this morning, I already know right up front that I am excluding a few of the mothers that are sitting here today. So please understand, I get that. I'm excluding some, but while I'm risking the exclusion of some mothers, I also realize that I'm uh, including the majority of all the mothers that are in this room today. So this morning... I want to preach on this subject right here. I want to preach on mothers with babies gone wild. Mothers with babies gone wild. Now, the reason I said I'm excluding some is because I understand there are some mothers in this room today, and your babies, your baby or your babies, have never gone wild. So you sit here in this room today and you can't identify with this message that I'm going to preach. And by the way, if that's the case, thank God for that. Thank the Lord that your babies have never gone wild. 
you've never had to feel the sting, or maybe I should say, say the stab or the slash of the, of the words of a child or the actions of a child who has gone wild. However, I realize this morning that there are multitudes of other mothers in here who know the heartache and who know the heartbreak that goes along with a baby, or in some cases, even with babies, plural, who have gone wild. You know, somebody once said that when your babies are young, they walk on your toes, and then they spend the rest of, their, of your life walking on your heart. So this morning, with all the mothers in here, uh, this morning, I want to pre just specifically preach to the mothers who have babies that have gone wild. Now, I want to read to you an Old Testament passage this morning about a woman who had a baby that went wild. And what I want to do is, at the close of the message this morning, and it's 1027, but when I close the message, I want to use this story as an encouragement to every mother who has a baby that has gone wild. Now, before I read my text, I've got to put one verse up on the screen. So you'll stay with me. Let me read you one verse. Here it is. The Bible said this, Manasseh, now that's who our text is about. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Now you've got to say, that's awful young to be a king, 12 years old. All the other boys are out in the backyard playing uh, Jew and Arab, or cowboys and Indians. It would be Jew and Arab back in those days. Or they're shooting marbles, or they're building, damming up the creek at the age of 12. Here's an old boy that's sitting in, 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 in domestic affair meetings trying to balance the budget figure out what he's going to do about health care. I mean, here's a guy, 12 years old, and he's king over the most powerful nation on the earth, the nation of Israel. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And the Bible said that he reigned, and this is important, L listen to this, he reigned how long? 50 and 5 years. Now you do the math, that's 55 years. So he started when he was 12, and he reigned for 55 years, which means he's going to be 67 when he dies. And the Bible said this, and his mother's name was, now say this with me, Hebzibah. His mother's name was Hebzibah. Now we know this, he's 12 years old, he's a king. He's going to reign for 55 years, and his mama's name is Hebzibah. Now join me in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, and let's try to piece all this together. Look at verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he, Manasseh, he built again the high places, which Hezekiah, his father. Now stop, look this way. So his mama's name is Hebzibah, his daddy's name is Hezekiah. So the Bible said, that he built again the high places which Hezekiah's father had broken down. He reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made. 
in the house of God. Can you believe this boy? He set an image up, a false god up in the house of God, which God had said to Solomon, to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Now jump down to verse 10, same chapter, I'm sorry, verse 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Here's a mama with a baby gone wild. Now this is one of those stories in the Bible that what we have is one or two bits or tidbits of information or pieces of a story. Maybe I could say it like this. We've got a bone or two here. But what I want to do this morning is, again, I want to try to flesh out this story. I want to try to take what we're told about this family in Scripture and try to flesh out a story. And hopefully, by doing so, I will encourage and embolden the heart of every hurting mother who sits here in this room today who's got a baby who's gone wild. Now, our text is about a man by the name of Manasseh. I've got to stop and tell you, Manasseh had a good daddy. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king over the nation of Judah. Hezekiah came uh, to, to be the king over the nation in a day and an age when spiritually uh, the nation was at, at an all-time low. And Hezekiah became king. One of the first things he did was he run the Sodomites out of town. Amen. He ran the Sodomites out of town. And the Bible said that he began to clean up the nation and caused the people to begin to seek the Lord God of Israel again. And when that happened, revival broke out. I'm telling you, Manasseh had a good, good daddy. His name was Hezekiah. But then his mama's name, I just read it to you, his mama's name was Hebzibah. Now, unlike Hezekiah, we know a whole lot about Hezekiah. But unlike Hezekiah, we don't know a whole lot about Hebzibah. About the only thing we know about this woman by the name of Hebzibah was what her name means. And her name means this, pleasant or delightful. Now, you've got to understand in Bible days when they named somebody something, they just didn't slap a name on them. The name meant something. It, it kind of spoke of the characteristics of their life. And so with that being said, we got Hezekiah, a good man, a godly man. And then we've got Hebzibah. And boy, she's got a great spirit about her. She's very delightful to be around. She's very pleasant to be around. And then those two together have a boy by the name of Manasseh. So he's got a good mama and a good daddy. But boy, did he go wild. You know, if you were to look up in the dictionary, baby's gone wild, right out beside of it, it would probably say this, see Manasseh. Because Manasseh literally broke the heart of his, of his mother. Now, his daddy died when he was only 12 years old. His daddy didn't live to see all that Manasseh was going to do. But bless her heart, his mama was there every step of the way. 
And you talk about a boy that went wild. He had a godly upbringing. He was taught right. He was taught there were some things you do, some things you don't do. They'd put some standards in this boy. They taught him about the true God, the Lord God of Israel, and the great exploits and the power and how he's an almighty God. He'd heard all that while he was growing up. But when he became of age, he threw all that away and went wild. Now, I know I'm speaking to some people in this room, and I'm so glad you're here with your mama today. And you mothers that are sitting here, I can't tell you how many mothers come up to me just a little while ago and said, hey, my, my, my children are here today, preacher. Please, preacher, preach on. Preach this morning. I'm praying for you, preacher. My children's here. You know, there's some children here today, and you've gone wild. Your mom and your daddy brought you up to do right. They brought you up to love the Lord and to love the house of God. But when you became of age, it became all about you and your desires. And you've turned aside. You've said goodbye to that kind of life. You've turned aside from all that. And you're out doing your own thing, living your own kind of life, living, drinking your liquor, doing your drugs, living in your immorality. That's the life that you've chosen to live. But I want to tell you something. You're breaking your mama's heart. You're ripping your mama's heart out. Because I got, a, I got a feeling that while Manasseh was going about his ungodliness, there was a mom at home by the name of Hezebiah who was very delightful and very pleasant, but shed tears night after night because of what that boy had turned out to be. You say, what was wrong with him? Well, look in our text this morning. Here's what was wrong with him. Look at verse 3. He made altars to all kinds of false gods in verse 3. In verse number 4, he desecrated the very house of God that he had been taught to respect. In verse number 6, he took his children and offered them up as burnt sacrifices to false gods. Look this way. Can I stop on that one? I can't just pass over it. These children that he's burning to false gods in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that's Hephzibah's grandbabies he's burning. So he's taking his own children and laying them up in the arms of this heated brazen image and literally burning his children alive in worship to some false god and Hephzibah, that's her grandbabies he's killing. Unbelievable. Look again at verse number 6. The Bible said he got caught up in witchcraft. He got caught up in demonology. He started consulting astrology. The Bible said he, he dealt with a familiar spirit, which is an Old Testament way of saying that he was dealing with demons and uh, using enchantments and with wizards. And, and verse 6 said he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. In verse number 9, the Bible said that he did worse than any king that was ever before. How would you like to have that, that said about you? It's, I'll tell you what, this, this person here has done worse than anybody that's ever lived. That'd be terrible. And then if all that wasn't bad enough, look at verse 10. He wouldn't listen to nobody, not even God. No doubt his mama tried to reason with him. Son, you, if your daddy, I'm so glad your daddy's not here to see you doing this. Your daddy, you would break, he would roll over in his grave, Manasseh, if he knew what you was doing. Manasseh, you would be ripping his heart out doing the way that, I'm so glad your daddy's not here. And boy, every night she'd say, honey, please get right. Honey, this is not how you've been brought up. Honey, please come back to God. Please come back to the Lord. He was a mess. He was a baby that had gone bad. Now, I know I'm speaking to some mamas in this room this morning. 
and you got a baby or babies that's gone wild. They're not at all, they don't at all resemble the person that you brought up in your home because they've gone out and they've done some things and if they only knew night in and night out how many tears you weep, how many times you have wet your pillow over, over that wayward boy or that wayward girl and what they're doing. They're a baby that's gone wild. Well, I've got three things I want to say. It's 1038. I've got three things I want to say to every hurting mother that's in this room today. And I want you to listen. Number one, if you've got a baby that's gone wild, look up on the screen. Number one, you need to resist the guilt. Resist the guilt. Now, can I stop and say that I do understand that sometimes the parents are to blame for the rebellion and lifestyle of their now grown children? I get it. There are some parents because of the inconsistencies in their life. Maybe you brought them up in church, but then you went home and cussed like a sailor. Or you criticized everything that was going on at the house of God. Or maybe you came to church on Sunday, but you cussed like a sailor on Monday. Maybe you came to church on Sunday and slipped your, your tenth in the plate, but then you went out on Monday and bought your fifth. Maybe that's your life. And if that's the case and your babies have gone bad and you've lived like that, then all you've got to do, go no further than look in your own mirror right there is the problem. But on the same hand, I, I know that there are some children that, that, that can't say that because their mama and their daddy brought them up right. Their mom and their daddy tried to put a foundation under them. It's not always the case because there are some good mothers and some godly mothers who sit right here in this service and you've done what was right. I mean, you tried to, you tried to have some standards for your children to live by. You monitored who they were with. You monitored how they dressed. You monitored where they went. You monitored what they'd done. You dotted your eyes. You crossed your T. And in spite of all that, they still went wild. Then I want to say to every mom in here, resist the guilt then. Resist the guilt. Guilt's a heavy load to carry. Somebody once said the worst trip you'll ever take in your life is a guilt trip. And I know how the devil works. He'll keep you beat down and he'll beat you up with guilt over how your children have turned out. He'll tell you it's your fault that they are what they are. And it's your fault that they, they, they are where they are. He'll tell you, you failed and you dropped the ball. But I got something to tell him. He's a liar and the father of all lies. I know every one of us in this room, if we could go back, would do some things differently. I get that. Everybody in this room, if somehow we could wind back the hands of time and do some things differently, we would. We would take the opportunity to do that. But if you've tried your best, if you, if you love Jesus in front of your children and they still went wild, don't let guilt eat you up. You know, I got to thinking this week, stay with me for just a moment, but I got to thinking, you know some of the best people in our Bible were people that had babies that went wild? Some of the best people in the Bible, in the Word of God, had babies that went wild. What about Adam and Eve? Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Eve was the first mama, the first living woman on the earth. And guess what? They had a boy named Cain. What about, what about Noah and Mrs. Noah? Walked with God in a wicked, ungodly age, raised them boys up to do what was right, but they had a ham.
Hey, hey, what about, what about Jacob and Leah? Jacob and Leah loved the Lord, but they had a Simeon and a Levi. What about Eli, the high priest in Shiloh, and Mrs. Eli? But they had a Hophni and Phinehas. What about David, a man after God's own heart? David and Abigail, but guess what? They had an Absalom. What about Hezekiah and Hephzibah, two good people, but they had a Manasseh? What about the New Testament, that father and his wife that had that boy that left and went off into the far country? Listen, they had a prodigal. All of these were good people, people who loved the Lord and did what was right, but every last one of them had a baby that went wild. Always remember, it's our job. It's our responsibility to put a good foundation under our children. But there's going to come a time when they've got to start making choices for themselves. There's going to come a time when they've got, to, they've got to either put into practice what they've learned or else just discard it and set it aside. And as much as we don't want them to, even weep over it, even try to talk to them about it, as much as we can do, they still have choices they have to make. And when they make those bad choices, you and I need to resist the guilt. We can only nurture them so long. We only have them for so long, and then we send them out into the world. And in this world, they've got to make choices. And let's face it, sometimes they make bad choices. And then that leaves us as parents feeling guilty over how we've raised them. Number one, Resist the guilt. Number two, when it comes to babies who have gone bad, number two, look at this. Rely on grace. Resist the guilt, but then rely on grace. You know what? I don't know what it is, but it seems like wayward children don't affect us dads as much as it does you mothers. Now, I'm not saying us dads don't hurt when our babies go wild, because we do. We do cry. Our heart does break when our babies go bad. But I'll tell you what, take what we feel, guys, times it by a thousand, and you may have a small inkling of how it feels to a mother whose babies go wild. I don't know, maybe the emotional ties are so much deeper. You know, that dear mother carried her baby, that baby right under her heart for nine months. She gave birth and life to that baby. I'll tell you, there's just something about a mother's heart that breaks when her baby goes wild. Now, I want to tell every mother in here this. There is one who knows exactly how you feel. You know I was naming all those people, Adam and Eve and David and Abigail. I was naming all those people in the Bible that had babies that went wild. But I can tell you that there is one who has had more babies to go wild than all of us put together. You ever thought about it? God. God has had a lot of babies that went wild. That's right. I mean, when you read through the Word of God, I, I, and, and I don't want to blow your mind here, please don't, don't leave here and say, oh, I can't believe love that Tim said that, but I've got to say something right here. Listen to this. Then you go right back to sleep. But wake up and listen to this. Our Heavenly Father has motherly instincts. 
You say, Brother, <laughs> Brother Tim, say that one more time. Our Heavenly Father has motherly characteristics. You say, where do you find that at? In the Bible. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said, as one whom his mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God is able to comfort just like a mother comforts her little baby. God is able to comfort his people. You see, God, God has motherly instincts. That's right. So in other words, what I'm trying to say, God heart, God's heart breaks just like a mother's heart breaks when the babies go wild. I mean, you stop and think about the nation of Israel alone. They were God's babies. They were God's children. And oh, what great pains God went through to take care of His little babies. I just read this. This just hit me this week. Look at this verse right here. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child... Then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So the Bible likens the nation of Israel as God's children. And God said, I loved them like a child. And I brought them out of Egypt, out of the Egyptian captivity. And just a verse or two right below that, God said, and I took them by the arms and I walked them through the wilderness. You know what we do? I've got two little, three little grandbabies. Two of them are walking now. But when we get anywhere in a dangerous situation, I grab their hands, and, and all of us do, because we, we want to hold on to them kids because we want to protect our, our little babies. That's the, that's the picture. God said, when my people came out of Egypt, I took them by the hand, and I walked them through the wilderness, and I made sure they had food, and, and I made sure they had water, and I made sure they had proper clothing. And every night when it got cold, I had this big old fire burning for them. And in the day when it was so hot, I put a big old cloud up there in the sky, and the cool breezes blowed because they were my children. And I loved them. And I walked them through the wilderness, and I cared so much for them. But then here's what the Bible said that God's babies did. Look at this verse. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord that's spoken, I have nourished and have brought up children. Now read it with me. And they have. God knows how you feel. God's babies did the same thing. You know what God's babies did? They went wild. The nation of Israel. And by the way, this is not even to think about how many people have been saved. We're on this side of Calvary now. And how many people have been saved and, and God, God gave His Son to die on the cross and, and uh, uh, people have got saved and then they turned their back and walked away from all that. Can you not just imagine how the heart of God must grieve over that? I said all I'd say this. There's one who knows how you feel. There's one that knows the tears that you cry. There's one that knows your pain. There's one that understands how you feel. There's somebody that cares. In fact, let me say this. I think God has a special place in His heart for all mothers who grieve over babies going, going wild because God's babies have gone wild. He understands. He knows. So number one, when your babies go wild, Resist the guilt. If you did your best, that's all you can do. Resist the guilt. Number two, rely on grace. 
But now here's my third one, and this is the one I want to preach on this morning, and that's this one. Refuse to give up. Now, I told you in our text this morning that boy Manasseh, he messed up big time. I mean, the Bible said all those things that he did, and I mean, even started taking Hebzibah's little grandbabies and burning them in the fire. I mean, man, it was terrible how this boy lived and the choices that he was making. I mean, it was terrible how he turned out and owed to the heartbreak and heartache of his, of his mother. And, and he did horrible. And the Lord tried to speak to him. And no doubt, Hebzibah and others tried to get his attention. Son, you're messing up. Son, you're going down the road to self-destruction. Son, that's going to kill you. Son, that's going to destroy your life. Son, that's going to des destroy your family. You don't want to do that, son. Sit up. Listen to me. And Manasseh would roll his eyes. Shrug his shoulders. There's a verse over in our Bible that said this, and I, I, for some reason, I want to say it's in the book of Hosea 2, but it said this. Stand up, Brother Mark. It said this. Come here. I turn this away, please. And it's like God put his hand on the shoulder of the nation, and the nation pulled their shoulder away. Do that to me, Brother Mark. Pull your shoulder away. But I love you. Please. Turn around. Listen to me. Please. We practiced this better this week, didn't we? No. <laughs> they pulled their shoulder away. God said, hey, I love you. Don't do this. It's going to hurt you. I'll do what I want to do, God. You stay up there, I'll live down here. And how many mothers have said, honey, please, please don't. Mama, it's my life. I'll make my choices. Mama, you, you can't, you get out of my business, Mama. It's my business what I do. I'm hurting nobody but myself. We've seen it, man. Manessa was just like it. No doubt people tried to talk. Heaven's my honey, please listen. It's my life, Mama. I run the show. I'm the king around here. You stay out of my business, Mama. I can just hear all that. But I tell you what she did do. Evidently, she wouldn't give up. Let me tell you why. Because guess what? He reigned how long? 55 years. Now, I challenge you. Check me out on this. We know the nation of Israel split. There became a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had 19 kings. The southern kingdom had 19 kings. So altogether, they had 38 kings the whole time the nation of Israel existed. But out of all those kings... Guess which king reigned the longest? Ding, 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 ding. You got it. Manasseh. You know why I think God was so patient with Manasseh? It's because of the prayers of a mother who wouldn't give up on him. I mean, man, she wouldn't let, she wouldn't let him go. She, she just refused to say, well, this is just the way it's going to be, and I've just got to accept it. Not Hebzibah. She kept on, she kept on, she kept on. And guess what happened to Manasseh before he died? Guess what happened to him? He got right. Let me read it to you. Look in our text. The Bible said in verse number 10, the Lord spake to Manasseh to his people, but they would not hearken. But, verse 12, notice. And when he was in affliction, Manasseh was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed 
unto him. Oh, Manasseh's getting right now. He's humbled himself. He's got off his high horse. And the Bible said he started praying, and the Bible said that God was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. What happened to him? I'll tell you what happened to him. He got right. And let me tell you why I think he got right, because he had a mama that wouldn't give up. She just kept on praying. You say, preacher, I mean, you really think she'd live long enough to see it? Well, you, you do the math with me. I, I don't know, but I mean, I can't prove this, but you can't disprove this. And I am the one doing the preaching this morning. But if, if, let's just say that she was 20 when he was born. Let's just say she was 20. And he, and he reigned for, he was 12 years old, reigned 55, 67 years. I'd make her 87. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, realistically, she may have lived to see this old boy get right with God. Amen. But whether she did or whether she didn't, Amen. the one thing I think that she did do, she wouldn't give up. She kept on praying. She kept on, she kept on, call it nagging, call it witnessing, call it whatever you want to call it. But I think she wouldn't let go, and she kept after him, and kept after him, and kept after him, till one day... Old Manasseh bowed his heart, humbled himself before the Lord, called out to the Lord, God heard. And old Manasseh said, I know one thing, all these other gods I've been worshiping, they ain't no gods. He's the Lord God of heaven. And he got right with God. And I said all I'd say this, if God could bring Manasseh back, what can God do for your boy? If God can bring Manasseh back as wicked and as ungodly as he had become, what can God do for your daughter? God can do it. I was listening. I have my daddy's old truck. Has a, still has one of those little cassette players on it. It's a 2000 truck, and it has a cassette player. So I was, and I listen to cassettes still. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a dinosaur, I know, but... I've not moved up into the CD stage yet, and I understand now that we're into the MP3, so I'm too behind right now. But I still listen to preaching on cassettes. And I was riding down the road this week, and I was listening to this sermon by a preacher, and at the close of his sermon, he told the story that I want to tell you. So there was this man and this woman, a godly man and a godly woman, and they raised this boy up. They raised him up to do what was right. Well, when he hit those turbulent teen years, he, he went his own way. Broke his mom and his daddy's heart through the decisions that he had made. I mean, just went wild. Well, he still lived at home, and his daddy and his mama, daddy and his mama loved him dearly, and his daddy just couldn't bring himself to kick him out of the home because he thought, where's he going to go? So he, he let him stay in the home, but you know, every weekend, every night, he would come home drunk, doing drugs or whatever. And this man, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, who is now the assistant pastor of this church, that, of the sermon I was listening to, said that one day he came home, one Saturday night, come home. He was, he was drunk, said I was hung over. And he said, I walked by, and he said, when I walked in, I could smell bacon cooking in the kitchen. And he said, I smelled that, I knew Mama was already up. And he said, I walked by mom and daddy's bedroom on the way to bed, on the way to my bed to get in the bed, because I knew they were going to go to church that morning. And he said, my daddy didn't say anything. He just said, 
did his fingers like that. He motioned for me to come in here. And he said, I, I walked into the bedroom, and he said, my daddy just took my hand and laid it on the pillow of my mama. And he said, when he laid my hand on the pillow of my mama, he said it was just wet. And he looked at his daddy and he said, Son, those are the tears that your mama's been crying over you. To make a long story short, he said, It wasn't any preacher preaching that led me to Jesus. He said, It was the tears of my mama that brought me to the Savior. And he's now an assistant pastor in a large Baptist church in Texas. Mama, don't give up. Keep on crying. Keep on praying. Hey, God, if God can bring Manessa back, God can bring him back. God can bring her back. Refuse to give up. Let's bow our heads for prayer.